The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, friend. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Hold your insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this woman? Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> I am your host for tonight. That is really weird. Why did I do that? All right. Well, as I tried to adjust a shot, that got really wonky. I am your host, Rodicat, and you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can also find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can also find me at uh, CB Caps on Instagram. And the man behind the soundboard whose camera looks like it's a little faded, but that might be because of a light situation going on. I was about uh, to say, uh, it's because I'm on the backup camera now. I'm on the, uh, I'm on the, uh, the, the laptop camera, which is never good. Uh, there we go. Okay, that's better. So, yes, that voice you hear is our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! And, um, oh, well, I'll do this one more time. But, uh, not with us here tonight is PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, uh, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com and all those umbrella sites therein. Also the vine alternative bite B Y T E under comic reviews, no, uh, vowels. And also not with us tonight is the Yosiris of this ish one, Tim, the O G G nine, eight on Twitter. Um, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's D K A L I Q N A T I O N. TheClickNation.com. CB Cron, which is also which is the um, Comic Book Chronicles, uh, you know, Twitter account, and also Comic Book Resources, where he's over there uh, writing his face off. And we will have a couple of his um, his his articles in the news lineup, to which I come to find out that he actually. Had done. Um, that's, not, that's kind of funny. Uh, you can find this here program on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. And you can also find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. And tonight, folks, guess what? We got new comic books. Yeah! Yes, folks. After a couple of months hiatus uh, from comic books because of the because of the COVID nineteen pandemic, 
uh, comic retailers and Diamond have started putting uh, comics back in the stores and in front of Facebook's faces, um, hopefully mask-ridden faces, uh, you know, for your perusal. And your camera just went out, 870. Oh, don't go. worry about it. I got it. I'm working on it right now. Oh, I see you got to, I see you got the plan in action. I got you. I see what you're doing. I'm um, working on it. I'm working on it. Unfortunately, it's, oh. messing, it's, it's messing with my shot, but... <laughs> All right. I was about to say, just uh, leave the shot. Let me just fiddle with my camera because my camera seems to be acting up. It may just need a a, a restart of my computer. But anyway. Yeah, well, no, because every time you change cameras, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess with the shot. So, uh, But well, anyway. As you were saying, uh, this is our first week with uh, new Marvel books and a smattering of DC books. Uh, this is, what, the third week where DC has put out some new content. So, um, you know, I think last week, uh, was probably the first week where they actually had like a decent amount of uh, content. Yeah. But Uh, we were actually reading. So exactly. So, uh, it's nice to have some new stuff back. Bear in mind that the schedules for new comic releases have been predetermined and are still subject to, uh, change, uh, I would note that next week, in terms of Marvel books, there's just going to be trade paperbacks being produced so or being uh, published. So we will be, in fact, reading another event next week. Yes. In fact, we pretty much already know what it is, but we'll just let you wait, wait till the end of the show and talk about that. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and actually, and I guess on that last point before we get into the, the books, um, yeah, I... I have said before that I kind of hate the fact that, you know, we can't do any of these more. Well, it's getting to the point where new books are starting to come out again. And, and therefore, we're going to wait from the fact that we've, uh, we can you know take the time of reading these events and kind of go back over them and kind of relive them because I've been enjoying that part about it. But, you know, I guess at in some point it'll be good to get back to some new books because as we come to find out, you know, going a couple of going a while without, you know, the new books. Kind of lends itself to saying, "What in the world happened?" Oh wait, I got to go back and read this book. I got to go back and read that book, or whatever the case may be, to kind of to yeah. re- re- familiarize yourself with uh, what's when going on. Right. I mean, I, it, it, it. I think it bears discussing whether or not we want to maybe provide additional content. Maybe that'll be Patreon content, um, where we're discussing old events or something along those lines. You know, along the lines of our treasury editions, because movies will become further and farther in between because of the COVID-19 pandemic. We may not have too many opportunities for movie reviews that require a treasury edition. So who knows? Maybe that's what we'll end up doing. That's probably true. Yeah, and there's a couple of gems on the newly released uh, HBO Max that I'm sure we could probably bop to if we really really want to and some don't definitely don't want to get to but we might still do oh no in fact we talked about one last week but we've been talking about the other one wow but but regardless we will get to that when we get to that let us get into tonight's topic which is new release books of the week yay new comics I'm sure we don't have a transition from that. So we're going to... What? Just just a transition into new comics? Sure. 
You know what? That works. Um, so yes, the first new comic we're gonna, as you can see, the rest is kind of on us on on the, on the new comics front. <laughs> okay. But uh, the first comic we are going to do tonight is Amazing Spider-Man number forty-three, and I totally forgot to get the images for the for for the book, but it's fine. You have it's to okay. look at our faces. So, um, you know, the the I guess we talked about this last week. So this was probably one of the easiest ones to get back into because it was very hard to forget what happened in that last issue. And if you don't remember, uh, real briefly, it was basically, if I'm not mistaken, that was the backstory on GOG, not good old games, uh, the uh, site, uh, but um, a creature who has now been tasked to um, guard one of the fragments that Spider-Man and Boomerang are now looking for. I believe it was the last piece, if I'm not mistaken, so we got his backstory, and, it, which, and tragic as it was, um, we kind of got into that. And then we cut back into this week and getting into them fighting properly against uh, Gog, which actually was a really quick read because, like, the fight kind of just happened, you know, but then Spidey kind of came across the the kind of kind of being relatively quick on the draw, even for him, was like, well, okay, well, I see what's going on when this particular thing happened, which we may or may not get into, and that ends the fight, because, you know, it settles down Gog to the point of where we get to the, the last bit of the issue. But like I said, if you want to go into that you know, a little bit more in depth, then... I just wanted to add a few notes. If ever there was a time to take advantage of the opening page uh, summary of what happened previously in Marvel books, this is the time to take advantage of it because I absolutely positively enjoyed reading the summary paragraph that came at the beginning of this issue that reminded me of what happened previously over the last several issues of this book, especially the ones that dealt with this uh, extraordinarily powerful object called the lifeline tablet uh and it's broken into pieces like the rosetta stone and the uh heroes or at least in this case spidey and someone who is perpetrating like a hero uh aka boomerang uh that this is what they're looking to try to find because this is the secret that boomerang has and kingpin is uh looking for this tablet and he's um trying to uh, get it before anyone else can. And of course, um, if it weren't for this paragraph, I would be lost. So take advantage of it. Uh, <laughs> and listen to our takes on this issue, but I would definitely recommend that you look at and uh, read this opening summary paragraph before diving into this issue without having to go back into your copy of the previous issue. Unless you so. did that because you just wanted to, and that's on you. So, Right. You could definitely do that too. Don't get me wrong. That's obviously pro- that's that's a more uh, that's pretty much the uh, advisable thing to do. But if you like my like ourselves have other things to do when we get our new uh, when we get our review copies, we have to uh, read quickly. And uh, you know that summary paragraph was very very helpful. I also wanted to note that. Um, as much as I'm not a fan of Ryan Otley's art, he has a way of depicting Gog that 
is pretty good and pretty and, and keeps things fun in either size, whether in um, kind of monkey size uh, Gog and King Kong size Gog. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very good at depicting expressions on Gog's face. Mm-hmm. I'm still not a fan of some of the backgrounds that he uses. I I disagree highly with uh, Agent M of Marvel Comics, who uh, uh, is one part of the uh, the Marvel podcast team. I don't believe that um, Ryan Otley was born to draw Spider-Man, but uh, to each their own. Well, also, it is a Marvel podcast, and they're in, you know. <laughs> well, you can be honest. That's the thing. Hmm. You can be without without uh, without resorting to hyperbole. He might be so, actually a fan of Otley's work, though. Which, you know, I, I would agree with you still, but, you know, who knows what, what the case was on that one outside of, like, yeah, what we were just saying. <laughs> right. In any event, um, my only other note is that after reading this issue, I'm sorely tempted to finally uh, pick up a Marvel Legends boomerang just for the hell of it, just to have it. Maybe to set up a little diorama of the superior foes minus overdrive. I had to do a little bit of research to remember which one has not yet been produced in Marvel Legends continuity. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of tempting to uh, pick up a boomerang because it seems like Spencer, as we've been saying over the last year, as uh, boomerang has kind of made his presence felt in the mainstream Spidey title. Uh, it seems that he, uh, Spencer is definitely incorporating one of his pet characters into the story. Hmm. Yeah, indeed. Um, this is, and this is all without spoiling what actually happens in the book. We would suggest that you uh, go out and find it and read it. However, I and will... still socially distant and still be in compliance with your local uh, – laws when it comes to um purchasing things from a non-essential store mm, indeed i will say because there is one part of this that we did not get to which was the very last part of the book um because just like i said oh, uh, huh it's like an epilogue yeah basically yeah um and also didn't talk about the fight or the part of the fight where where the kingpin tries to help out but Spidey <laughs> Spidey was like, nah, that's right, we don't need this help and kinda takes takes it uh kinda takes it literally in his hands actually. Um which was impressive. But nevertheless, yeah, so at the end of the book, after the fighting said and done, and apparently apparently Peter Parker has a new uh let's say roommate. When I don't right. necessarily want to call him a pet, but <laughs> but he has a new housemate, which is also weird in itself. Because I'm thinking, thinking, I'm like, okay, wait, wait. Someone's going to eventually see Peter possibly with Gog and put two and two together. First of all, because it was like, wait, so well, I mean, yeah, he could probably introduce you for the say, okay, yeah, yeah, Spider Man gave this to me, but at some point, you know, somebody's gonna say something. But also, there was another wrinkle that happened in the midst of the story, if I'm not, um, or was it this issue? Wait, hold on, let me make sure real quick. Nope, that was last issue. Never mind, I'm not gonna talk about that. Something happened last issue that will probably come back into play, but nevertheless, at the end of this issue, we see a vault, an old vault, a heavily, um, fortified vault looks like and a pair of 
what looks to be, it could be a shadow, but it could be purplish boots. And also some booming noises that are seemingly coming from the vault, including vault, including one big, big view um, boom on the le- very last page that seems to wreck the, um, this vault to the point that uh, something's probably going to come out of it next time. And then we get a the sins of and uh, the artist and the writer and the artist on next one. So clearly, whatever's coming out of that vault is going to come back into play next issue or possibly next issue and wreak havoc in Spidey's life, possibly, and quite possibly ruin this new dynamic dynamic that we just uh, got in this issue. Right, they're definitely teasing um, a sin eater storyline that has been uh, solicited. Uh, to be upcoming in uh, over the next several months. So this is a definite tease in that direction. Mm-hmm. So with that, um, we're finished with Amazing Spider-Man. And if you want to go ahead and pick a book, go forth. We'll go to Avengers because yes. that is next up in terms of the books that we read in common. And a very, so, very good one, too. So this starts an interesting story arc. The book is uh, written by Jason Aaron and drawn by Javier Garon, who is uh, transitioning over from Miles Morales Spider-Man. And that's, um, you know, it's definitely, um, uh, I think, uh, a step up for uh, Javier Garon in terms of workload, because now he's got to do an actual team book. Mm. So um, this story centers on Moon Knight. And that is no spoiler because... He's on the cover, and the story arc is entitled The Age of Khonshu Part 1. And we open with Moon Knight literally dressed like one version of the Iron Fist, waiting at the gates of Kunlun for Danny Rand and uh, some Moon Fu versus... Um, or Moon Kundo versus uh, Danny Rand's uh, Kun Lun Kung Fu. Um, in you know uh, ensues. We have the the trope that um, I believe Matt Fraction and Ed Brubaker introduced in their uh, in their run and is carried on ever since. Where writers will uh, give crazy names to some of the. The, the martial arts moves that the characters are are are, are performing. Mm-hmm. So we get things like um, the spear finger pressure point strike and uh, the shin kick of five thousand fire ants. But we, my favorite is uh, a mm-hmm. punch from Moon Knight that's literally just called the fist <laughs> of Conchu. Yeah. So, and they kept doing that. I, I love that part too. It's like they just kept doing it. it's like like all these all these individual moves that that Danny was doing, and it's just fist of <laughs> fist of Conchu up until right. like later in the fight. But right, and without going too deep into what happens over the course of this issue, just in you know general broad strokes, you may want to go further into it. But this definitely felt like he that Moon Knight is doing his best Batman takes down the JLA type of uh, thing. But he's doing it with the aid of Conchu as opposed to prep time. Hmm. So, <laughs> and is, as opposed to uh, planning. Right. So, I mean, there's there's definitely some planning involved. Do not get me wrong, because there are aspects to each um, 
each takedown that had to have been pre-planned. But at the end of the day, this is uh, Moon Knight in conjunction with Khonshu doing what he's got to do to, and, you know, without spoiling the entire issue, doing what he's got to do to uh, take some of these characters off the board. Right. And, and do something specific that Batman wasn't doing. Which was... Which is doing his best Crusher Creel impression without spoiling everything. Oh, 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 oh. I got you. I got you. Yes. Um, there is a little bit of Cell Saga going on here, you might say, if you're a Dragon Ball fan. I'll put it put it out there like that. Um, except for Moon Knight is not made from, you know, the cells of the, the people he fought. So, yeah, so he's... Moonlight was on Moonlight was on a mission, let's just say, that pit him up against friends and friends. Um and also the the fights kinda went like this. Like he approaching them up until he got to T'Challa who um the Black Panther who went willingly, spoiler, but you know, no, that was it is what it is. But obviously I like to believe that T'Challa has a plan. Although that part where he just kinda gives seems seemingly gives the Avengers to Stephen Strange. Uh, was kind of a weird one, but it, you know, whatever. Anyway, but going into these fights is like, okay, Moonlight meets up with them. They think he's still, he's gone back to one of the delusional things. Cause if one thing you know about Moonlight is like, he's the schizophrenic, uh, has been classically. And I guess, I guess still is. He, he's also have been various states of on the outs, uh, ins and outs of Khonshu, well, uh, with Khonshu. So I guess he's back in with Conchu fully on this one for this to be going on. Uh, but also in the course of this, because there's a news article about it, so we might as well mention it here. There is a new wrinkle in the potential origin of uh, Thor's weapon Mjolnir. Right. Uh, that I won't necessarily get into, but you can kind of put into into together. Uh, and that is going into the, the rest of the fights. Uh, uh or at least to hit the particular fight with Thor, which actually does catches up with the Thor book because he's got his new uh, new armor on, right? His new costume on. So, and which also weirdly enough, Doctor Strange has his old armor, uh, old costume on for some reason. Because I'm like, I know he's still rocking a black joint in his last the last volume of his book that that I know of. Neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, once so going into all of that, you kind of people were kind of underestimating Moonlight, thinking that he's, he needs help and he's just constricting his ass. Like, no, he even says himself, like, no, I'm clearly in control of what's going on here, and then just systematically does his thing, which leads to the end of the book and him and uh, Khonshu on the moon of all places. But yeah, it this oh, also, I'm going to say this for the JoJo fans, and you you will know. Um, exactly what I mean when I say this, and that is order, order, order! So you go. Because that actually happens Ooh. in the course of, that actually happens in the course of the, one of the fights. And it was kind of uh, kind of funny. Or if you want to go eat Honda's 100 hand slap, except for it wasn't 100 hand, or it wasn't hands per se, it was fists. So there you go. Um, this is a potential click of the week for me, because this was this was a pretty pretty good book we don't know where it's going hopefully it will you know do something good but we'll see oh, the only other thing i will add in, in, in closing is like i wonder when they're, if they're ever going to get tired of doing these age of arcs because <laughs> you kind of wonder 
Like, I, that, there hasn't been any recently, but, you know, there's been enough kind of sprinkled in here and there. Right? Yeah, right? So, I don't know. But, yeah, that's it. I don't know if you have any other closing thoughts. No, that's it. Cool. Moving on. Moving on, I guess we will go to... What's next? Marauders as our last book between us. Marauders huh. number 10. You actually did read Justice League. I just skimmed it. So, yeah. Anyway, um, Marauders, number 10. Folks, the Xbox are kind of sort of back. And in this issue, we find, we apparently find out something that we've been waiting to hear about, and I'm not liking it. <laughs> because this is kind of kind of leading, leading credence to some uh, fan theories uh, that's been going around. But before we get into all of that, so we get into the fact that Sebastian Stan, uh, Sebastian Stan, Sebastian Shaw, Sebastian Stan's another dude. Um, tasked, Sebastian Stan is a real dude. Yeah. Sebastian Shaw is. Hey, we don't uh, know. There might be he, an actual. There might be an actual Sebastian Shaw out there somewhere. Right. <laughs> but anyway, Sebastian Shaw tasked uh, <laughs> Forging Tempo to uh, to get into. I don't know if he's getting into wine business or just for, like a personal collection. But I was like, you know what. I guess that would make sense. Why would they never do something like that before? Like get one of the get one of the folks on the island that can that has uh, mutant powers that can age things into making them some whiskey. Because why not? But after that, uh, Forge finds out that uh, the Russians are using his tech uh, for power his power deafening tech and <laughs> Storm. I would would I would love to have seen what would what happened after that last panel with Storm because she all we saw was a bald fist and we you know she was gonna. Uh, using a storm because if y'all did not know the history between storm and um forge uh too bad go back and go back and watch it but also there's a little bit of animosity still there because of uh that also especially dealing with his uh power dampening tech which was used on her i was about to say read life death yes and read the precursor issues to the first life death yes which yeah if we think about because i think we do have that on on our on our event sheet thing so maybe we may get back around to it who knows we'll see uh but regardless that goes on to say they go on a mission to um okay uh, forge finds out that a that a, a person he worked for or worked with excuse me when he worked with the government so there's flashbacks to that that uh, whole thing uh still has the knowledge of his stuff because he has a photographic memory coincidence i don't think that uh so they go in and take care of that situation uh, the, the Marauders do with Emma Frost and um, Forge, and and a, and a bunch of the rest of the, of the team, which goes off pretty nicely. And they, um, as I say in my notes, they basically do Silent uh, Pleasant Hill with the person that they were tasked to go after, as opposed to just outright getting rid of them. Um, but also. Uh, we found out a very humorous scene between um, well it's not even between but it's like Emma taking care of some guards right um, and also we find out that Emma has a new spaceship which apparently we will find out about at some point that they used in the course of this mission to a pretty decent effect because I was like because when the flood I was like wait what is this going on with this thing and then we kind of find out later in the issue or even like yeah, probably about a page or two later, what that ship is partially being used for, and um, let's just say there is a slightly real world um, uh, parallel to it. 
So the next time you see a UFO, it might be mutants. Just know that. Hmm. What was cool about that is that they were able to use that. If there were any uh, satellite imagery involved mm-hmm. to maybe debunk the, you know, what, what ends up happening is uh, uh, without spoiling the entire story is that uh, part of the, uh, the merciful uh, actions of the mutants involves concocting a cover story and the cover story involves this particular UFO and were anybody to have satellite imagery over that particular imaging over that particular area, what would they see? An actual UFO. So talk about uh, talk about backing up a story and making it as uh, seamless and as uh, and as uh, believable as possible. Mm. The other weird part about that is like, okay, there are any number of aliens that ex- that are relatively common. Not, well, I don't know what common knowledge, but probably more known in that universe than not to where they could have been like, oh yeah, no, it was a Kree, it was a scroll, it was a Shi'ar. I don't know, it was one of those folks. They just went nope, straight up, uh, just straight up old school, classic little green men type situation. Yep. Pretty much, pretty much. So that was kind of funny that that happened, but I'm like, all right, all right, run with it. But yes, at the end, oh, there was also an Expendables reference, apparently. And also, like I said, like I said going back to the conversation between uh, Forge and Storm, uh, references to Mutant Massacre, well, uh, partly anyway, and Mohawk Storm, because there was a letter from Kitty uh, that, that uh, comes, oh, I guess it was an email, not a letter, but there was an email from Kitty that gets shown in the middle of the, the book and a right. response. That's the night- Right, and a response from Nightcrawler. Right, um, and on that, going keep closing out without spoiling anything, we find out the fate of what well, seemingly find out the fate of one Kitty Catherine Pride. Right, and I'm trying to see where they're taking Kitty in the right. story, or Kate Pride, as she wants to be known as now mm-hmm. in the story. It's pretty interesting, obviously. Uh, our trip down memory memory lane uh, going into some of the earlier X books, you know, led us to read some of her stories. And I actually wanted to uh, correct myself. Something that I noted in our uh, in our weekly, uh, actually our daily chat um, amongst the uh, the co-hosts, I noted that I made a mistake last week in our Mutant Masker show. I I thought that the kid the Kitty Pride Wolverine limited series that involved Ogun was after the events of the mutant massacre. And I was sorely mistaken and they couldn't have happened in that order because of the fact that at that point, well, after that, after the mutant massacre and, and, and Kitty and Nightcrawler uh, regaining their health, they basically go on to form Excalibur. So, the Kitty Pride and Wolverine limited series happened before the Mutant Massacre, which is still, you know, it still kind of makes me curious about the characterization that Claremont gives Kitty during the story. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I kind of understand her hesitance to uh, to, to 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 jump into uh, uh, high levels of violence and bloodshed, even though she could. You know, even though she was more than capable of doing such things, and that's never been how the character has been portrayed. Right. 
Yeah, I, I sort of understand it, but I guess you know, just in the in in the course of reading the Mutant Massacre and the specifically the panels that we were referring to, it, it seemed a little off. But I can understand better why Claremont chose to go in that direction. But um, in any event, getting back to this this week's story in Marauders, uh, I'm curious to see where they take this. I don't know what the the fan i don't remember i'm going to be honest going to be honest i don't remember the fan theories about this that she's not a mutant that they're making her something else that is correct. something yeah that we are we'll leave it at that um because that was ba- the basis of it like she's definitely not a mutant well according to fan theory she's definitely not a mutant and that is why she couldn't go through the gates and um x y and z but we i don't care for that theory that much um but we still don't know what. Right. We don't know where this is going. And it, it feels like something is going to get retconned at some point. Because remember, we did not see uh, Catherine Pride for the longest time until we found out that uh, she was still bonded to that missile that was going around the, the universe. Oh, right. Remember? The world. Yeah. After, uh, after uh, the events of Astonishing X-Men. Mm-hmm. Oh right, was that that was I guess that was part of the theory also, right? I don't listen. I don't, I'm not. Yeah, I'm know. not going to give any credence or any uh, uh, any um, legitimacy to a theory at this point that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. So I'm willing to follow this through and see where Duggan is. It is Duggan still writing this? Correct, Jerry Duggan. Yes. Right. So I'm willing to see where Duggan takes this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, kind of don't have that much choice. Uh, so yeah, there is that, and that's where we leave that because yeah, like I'm kind of I'm slightly worried about where they're going to take it if they're going to if the if the fan theories prevail, um, because I it would still partially not make much sense to like okay, why are you why would you do this and not and bring her back to just kill her off and just be the one to kill be get killed off. Mm-hmm. You know? who can't come back like everybody else. But I guess the only other the theory could be is like, okay, that was not necessarily her and she's still alive somewhere else. Like, I don't know, like maybe that was a scroll, but obviously that would have presented itself. And, you know, right. Who, who even knows? It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Cause I feel like there was, cause I always felt like there was, there was another like secret invasion or something else that were kind of, those popped up too. But there's also so, other stuff going on in the X universe that, wouldn't do you handle that? They would do that like outside of the Xbox. So, anyway, but that is. It. About, Go ahead. Um, what book are you doing next? Um, I was, I was going to say you could pick out. You can either do your books, or we can do rapid fire because I only got one more book left. I was going to say do your one book, but allow me a second to step away because I want to grab a prop for one of the books I wanted to talk about. Okay, sure. All right, while he is doing that, I will guess I'll bring up my last book of tonight, which is G.I. Joe number six. So, yeah, this is one of those books that, honestly, um, because it was already coming out monthly, I was already kind of weirdly loose on what was going on in the book. But at this point, as far as I can remember, Cobra took over the, the, the United States in a kind of a Red Dawn situation. And G.I. Joe has been declassified, or has been... Um, disbanded but they're still basically heading up the resistance um so that's pretty much the only thing to going into this whole volume of the of the book 
they have been recruiting new people. And actually, it's kind of a reboot, too, because there are some classic Joes that kind of get reintroduced in here um, as, like, resistance fighters that just come into the fold, like like Roadblock, uh, Jinx, um, and, and a couple other people. Scarlet's in charge of G.I. Joe, and they were making her very unlikable. And that part I'm not crazy about. Like, Duke, I think, oh, Duke. Uh, in the first issue, Duke got killed. So, you know, so a lot of things have happened. And like said, Cobra's taken over the, the, the states. Uh, in this particular issue, um, there's what we see is a mission debriefing by Scarlet and the uh, members of uh, a of a mission that um, that apparently went south, but. The long story short of it was that the mission went the way it was supposed to go as, as far as scholars concerned, but the folks on the mission did not know that they were a decoy. So during the course of this debriefing, some things have happened, and a one of the Joes, who was a newer Joe, uh, basically tried to def- get one of their friends to uh, defect from Cobra, and they did, but come to find out that that friend... Uh, had a Cobra chip inside of it and they were found out. And that's what made the, the mission go sideways. But weirdly, the, the weird part about it is um, the chip, which was under the skin, had been taken care of. Then it was like, well, she's still a liability even because of that. So we got to do something with her. And that ends up, you know, something ends up happening um, that causes causes an issue between um, Jinx, well, specifically Jinx and Scarlet, but that causes some kind of uh, issue with one of the, with the Joes who was directly connected with said person. Once they get back to the the, the debriefing, um, and I'll just go ahead and say because I don't know that many people that are reading this book, but uh, Jinx gets let go of GI Joe. Uh, uh, the rest of the crew who was on the team was like, okay, that's kind of messed up, but you know, it is what it is. I guess, or there might be something that's going to come out of it uh, in later issues. Who who knows at this point, especially with the person that you know was kind of more personally affected by it. But at the end of the issue, we see the return of a classic Joe um, that that Jinx ends up running to, or not running to, but ends up going to. Who she says basically, hey, you are right. You know, GI Joe isn't what it was kind of situation, and we're going to have to do our thing alone. And that classic Joe is. It's Hold on. Of, I was about to say, I'll give you a drum roll. Sure, go for it. <laughs> All right, drum roll, please. Snake Eyes, who we haven't seen um, in the course of the last couple of volumes. Well, actually, we did. I think we, he might have shown up in one of the old ones, but definitely hadn't showed up in this volume. And apparently, he's on the outs with G.I. Joe for some odd reason, because, like I said, when, G, when Jinx meets up with him. Um, and it is the he. It is not the um, the she of the current, the other current G.I. Joe book uh, that Larry Hama's doing. Oh, I used to wait. I'm sorry. It's not a she in that book either. Another thing. Wait. Yes, it was. I don't know. I have no idea what's going on with that book. Because um, I keep saying, I was like, I might check out that book. But at the same time, it's like, man, <laughs> you'd have to go back to the Marvel stuff. And then he picked it up from there. And then it's been like a couple of, it's been a bunch of issues since since that got restarted. And even though I have the volumes of it, I'm like that's a that's a that's a bit much to kind of to dig through. Even trying to look up a week about what happened 
is kind of a proposition. Either way, uh, at the end of this issue, that's what all was good, what happens. So we will see what happens with Jinx and Snake Eyes's high jinxes, <laughs> um, going forward, and what happens with the Joe if this book is allowed to live, because GI Joe has this version of GI Joe, the IDW version, has been on the block for a while, and I'm not sure how the sales of this one are, and I'm sure the pandemic's not helping sales that right. much. Um, so the last couple of volumes hasn't necessarily had a had a a big lifespan. So we'll see what's going on from here on. That is the end of my books. Uh, take it away, sir. All right. So the next book I'm going to cover is actually a surprise potential click of the week for myself. I am referring to Venom number twenty five, and the prop I went to get is the most recent Marvel Legends Venom. Uh, figure that I ordered on Amazon uh, this past week, and it came in, and I am uh, pretty pleased. This is a repaint of the, uh, uh, I think, the Mac Gargan Venom uh, Build-A-Figure that came out that I never wanted to put together. But this classic Venom in, like, a monster form, um, you know, is is pretty cool. And getting it without having to get any other... Uh, extraneous figures I would be sitting at the bottom of my storage boxes. It's pretty cool. So glad to have this. And I was pleasantly surprised by uh, this issue of Venom. I have not been reading Venom. I will be perfectly honest. But this is an anniversary style issue. Extra size. So it costs a little extra. The cover price is $5.99. What's cool about this, and this is the conclusion to the venom island story what's cool about this is that the first several pages of the book serve as a recap of all of the events in this venom island story and even events prior to that that lead us to that i i I would presume that uh this narrative summary of what has happened in the book covers everything that has happened since issue number one of this series that Donny Cates has been writing. And I really appreciated that as someone who hasn't really been reading Venom, it proved to be supremely useful. And I would guess regular readers of the book won't appreciate it as much even those readers who, because of the pandemic, haven't seen any issues of any issues of Venom for many, many months, uh, they would probably just kind of gloss over this. But I really like the fact that this issue could essentially be someone's uh, first issue of Venom on this series, and it basically catches them up all the way up from the beginning of the series to present, and uh, it gives us all a good recap. And tells us how we've gotten to this point where um, Eddie Brock, spoiler alert if you're not up to date on uh, Donny Cates' Venom, but Eddie Brock has discovered that he has a son. And his son possesses certain abilities that are related to um, uh, symbiotes. And in the course of this... uh, uh, In the course of this greater story arc... Eddie Brock has been taken uh, prisoner by the Carnage symbiote and uh, Eddie Brock's son, Dylan, has had to uh, pursue him in an attempt to rescue uh, Eddie. 
and lots of symbiote related hijinks ensue and we find out that uh eddie has been mostly successful in his quest uh to defeat the carnage symbiote and recover his son and and, and recovers his son in the process the issue ends with uh surprising uh, uh to me it was a surprising uh reveal as to whom he is recounting the these events to and moving forward from this point uh there is something that marvel has taken to doing over the last several years when it comes to foreshadowing the events of issues to come where an artist will do a two-page splash of teaser images that go across, you know, that, that basically read like a, a teaser for events for the next several issues, if not the next year. That's something that Marvel has been doing um, for a while now. And I think it's a common trope, but it's just something that I think we've seen more often in recent years, at least in my recollection. I don't know about yourself. Yeah, that's, that's probably some truth to that. Yeah. Like right. it's been definitely more prevalent. Right. So uh, we get a, a, a nice Jaws-related tease as to the uh, whereabouts of Carnage. And uh, there actually is a funny uh, flashback backup story um, uh, at the end of the issue that the harkens back to the initial time that Venom ha- uh, uh, goes to Venom, goes to, uh, uh, goes to this island to, uh, to escape everything going back to the um oh what's the story called going back to the days of venom lethal protector where uh you know where 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 uh i want to say it's um david michelini and ron Lim, i believe uh are the creative team on this uh backup story it's it's just a fun little uh backup story uh, I wanted to just note that it's Donny Cates on the main story with uh, Mark Bagley actually doing the pencils with Ryan Stegman on covers. So it was a pretty, pretty impressive issue. A surprising potential click of the week for me. The last book I've got is uh, Justice League 45. I have not, um, I have not been keeping up with um, Justice League. Uh, since Snyder left the book, I'll be perfectly honest. This issue finds, uh, but because we don't have as much stuff to read this week, I decided to read it. Uh, we find that the crux of the story is that Jim Corrigan is no longer happy about being stuck with the Spectre. This is uh, DC's version of the Spirit of Vengeance, but literally from the right hand of God. Um, apparently, Jim Corrigan is no longer happy about being stuck with the Spectre. And sounds very Johnny Blaze-ish in that he wants to be freed of his eternal curse of being stuck with the spirit of vengeance. So uh, some stuff happens where it's all connect- if it, it apparently finds itself connected to uh, Themyscira and uh, Themyscira's link to Tartarus, the, um, the place where the Greek titans of old had been uh, imprisoned. So, you know, that's... Uh, it's all kind of very weird because it all mixes together different uh, mythologies and different uh, 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 
you know, different religions. So, you know, I kind of found it a little not confusing. Just it, it seemed to be like a bit of a, a a jumbled mishmash. So, you know, that's what you get for jumping into something midway. But that's what happens when uh, you know you just happen upon an issue and you decide to read it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as what has happened a couple of times, as we were talking uh, uh, before the show started, like yeah, I skimmed. Uh, that Justice League, but I was like, I don't remember what happened in the last uh, issue because I'm mm-hmm. almost fairly certain that I didn't actually get a chance to read that last issue. Uh, or I, let me phrase, I didn't take the chance to read that issue. Um, and I did. There was that uh, Birds of Prey book that also came out this week that I that I skimmed. Um, oh. That was like, yeah, I was like sometimes it was like, yeah, you could just jump into a book and like hope for the best and. <laughs> And, and see what comes out of it, and it turns out well, and sometimes it doesn't. You know, I'm not right. saying one way or the other in this case. Right. What I was gonna, what I was going to add is that for every book like that, you get you're you're hopefully going to get a Venom 25, where I believe you could pick that up and read it if that was your intent, and you know if that if that was your want, and uh, understand everything that literally happened in the first 24 issues. Because they went to the trouble of making it so that you wouldn't have to go back and see what happened in those first 24 issues. Right. I feel like something like that happened actually in the 20th range of Justice League. Because that was when they were, like that whole big revelation and all that other stuff kind of happened out. Man. Oh, during the, Snyder, during the Snyder run? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember when they just like, hey, this whole thing got built up. And then just like, oh, never mind all that. <laughs> let's, let's just throw yeah, that all away. That, and absolutely fell flat. And go that's here, flat. yeah. That story fell flat. I definitely regret buying that. All right, yeah. So, so I think yeah. we can get into uh, clicks of the week, no? Yes. And we already have one click of the week because uh, luckily I remembered to actually ask you a couple minutes ago uh, from one. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-7, 9-8, excuse me. He said 9-7. I know, right. After his years, he said 9-7. 9 <laughs> 5 mother- uh, Anyway. Um, whose click of the week is, and I think I'm going to go ahead and just say, yes, I agree with this wholeheartedly, and I'm going with it, Avengers number 33. I enjoyed nice. it greatly. Uh, also, Spider-Man was really good this week, but, you know, I feel like they're it's going to be one of the, hopefully if they keep the same energy that they, they've been doing this, um, the, um, since this volume started, it's, or actually at the very least the last couple of arcs, you know, there's going to be some hopefully good stuff to come out of it. But I'm just going to enjoy the ride one way or the other. Cause this has been, mm-hmm. they're tugging at you. So what about yourself? I'm not sure. I'm I'm kind of weighing my options. I'm very glad that our first week of new books actually had a, a surprisingly diverse and surprisingly good set of stories to give us uh, a, you know, to kind of wet our beaks again in terms of uh, new content. I definitely uh, have a sentimental soft spot for amazing. Spider-Man number 43 because of the events of the issue. I also definitely liked Venom number 25 for the simple fact that I didn't have to read the first 24 issues to understand what was going on. Uh, But I think I'm going to go with Avengers 33 and make it a clean sweep. Oh, nice. Because it was a very, um, it was a very intense issue 
uh, I think Aaron does a, did a great job of uh, varying the, and this is a mild spoiler for the book, so uh, you know I'm just gonna ding, ding, ding the uh, the spoiler bell a little bit. Um, Aaron did a very good job of utilizing the various personalities. Uh, I don't know if I, you know, you, you mentioned before that Moon Knight was schizophrenic. I don't know if he's schizophrenic or has multiple personality disorder. They are two different things. Uh, yes, you're right. It is multiple personality disorder. I misspoke right. on that one. I, I but, they, but there was talk of schizophrenia in, I think, in the first book. Or I'm probably just completely wrong. But yes, it is definitely I multiple say, personality I was about to say, you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about correcting yourself. I wasn't sure. So, you know, we'd have to go back and do our research to see what they characterized it as. But in any event, I like that Aaron utilized the various personalities in the course of Moon Knight taking on the different characters of the Avengers. I really like that. That was a nice little history lesson and a way to uh, highlight the different aspects of the character that we've seen over the last several years. And for that, uh, Avengers 33 is going to be my click of the week as well. Very cool. Very good. And yeah, it's, it's kind of like what I, I want to say Aaron said this a while back, or at least we've noticed this a while back. Like he's basically not trying to waste folks time and setting up stuff. He just kind of gets in there and hits you with some action. And, and along the way, you know, you get the gist of what's kind of going on until he lays out whatever else he's got planned for it. So it, definitely in this one, he kind of hit the ground, just kind of just kind of going. And that's kind of a thing he does. So, um, but yeah, that is it. Clean sweep. We didn't get anything from Dirk this week because he's off doing his thing. Um, right. He's got family stuff that he's doing, so it's all good. So, um, all right. So we will get to our first ad read of the night before we transition into the news, right? That is correct. All right. So our first ad read of the night is for Funko. Fun at first sight. Your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads. Apparel, including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. So place your first order with 10% off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us, that's cspn.us, Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through CSPN.us. Do it today. Now it's time for the news. Indeed, and as we do about this time, boop, I didn't mean to do that one, we will start off with this cinematic news. First up, um, X-Men actor wants to reprise their Fox role for the Marvel Studios reboot. I can't say this is a big surprise. Um, Nicholas Holt, who starred as Hank McCoy, the Beast, in several of Fox's uh, X-Men films have revealed that he is open to playing the character again in a future Marvel Studios project. Uh, quote, unquote, that was a fun evolution. And that was something that I'm always looking for is how a character changes. Uh, Holt said about his interest in returning to the role in a recent interview with Variety. Uh, he also says, I think there's a lot more to explore with that character. So I'd be interested to know 
uh, where they see it going next. And at this point, they're not seeing it going anywhere because they haven't done Jack Joe just yet without any of those characters. We can't even get New Mutants um, in the theaters at this point, but, you know, that are other situations going on. What's interesting about that is we won't have to deal with uh, Fraser Crane as the Beast. Uh my my hope would be that Nicholas Holt would be doing the uh, blue furred beast, bouncing beast, uh, as my camera decides to go wonky again. Um, oh, now it's back. So ultimately, I think that is the hope that that's the version of the beast that we would get. Uh, you know, bouncy furball, blue furball. The bouncy bubbly beast. Yeah, maybe. Who's a little younger because it, it always bothered me that uh, we had a much older beast in the X Men movies. Mm. Yeah. So. Well, I guess they were using that to get away from. It was like, well, instead of do, doing. Why well, not? Because he was. Never mind. I was about to say something because they actually did that with the Fraser Green version. Huh. Anyway, regardless. Um, yeah. And they could also go to, like, if they just want to skip ahead a little bit, go to X Factor Beast. You know, the early experience where he's like still human before he reverts. Uh, before he diverts to the the less smart version and then back. You know, again. So, you know, there's there's options, there's avenues. And I think uh, Microvoice probably already said, or one of them has already said that they would be open to come back in here. Whether that any of that's going to happen, who even knows? Uh, but next up. Uh, Moon Knight is joining the symbiote fight on Spider-Man Maximum Venom. So Disney XD has released the official synopsis for Vengeance of Venom, the upcoming third episode of Marvel's Spider-Man Maximum Venom, and it heralds the arrival of none other than Mark Spector, a.k.a. Moon Knight. This is set to air on June 21st. So that's pretty interesting. Talk about, you know, Moon Knight's getting a lot of play this week. Yeah, I was about to say, it's as if there was some sort of uh, synergy going on between the the comic books and their animated properties. Right. Things that make you go, hmm. Exactly. Next up, uh, Pixar's Out Short is a magical by-the-numbers story about queer acceptance. I guess this is not primarily comic book related, but whatever, we love Pixar around here. I'm pretty sure most people do. Um, at the time when the full fledged series like Super Universe, Shirai and the Princess of Power, and Keep Kippo and the Age of Wonder Beasts have all carved out bold spaces for queer representation in animation, uh, or the, that's a declaration, sorry. Uh, Pixar's new short feels incredibly staid despite, or because of it, the fact that it's Disney's first attempt at telling, telling a story that centers around a gay couple. Uh, premiering as a standalone short on Disney Plus, um, today is of the writing, but whenever the writing came out, and written or directed by Stephen Clay Hunter, Out revolves around Greg, a queer man living in a rel- living a relatively happy life with his partner Manuel and their dog Jim, as they plan to move into a new house that's considerably far away from Greg's family. Uh, the Greg and Manuel have obviously been together for some time and love each other deeply. Greg's yet to come out to his family. Something you can see hurts Manuel de- uh, deeply. And um, I would imagine because I have not seen this uh, short yet, but it's um, it seems like um, it's going to deal with that. Actually, I take it back. I did see a little bit of it, but I didn't. I didn't finish watching it. Um, and I think it was this um, this trailer. 
that I saw. So yeah, if you're interested in that, go check that out. Next up. Next up, Star Wars fans launch a petition for ugh, yeah. a four-hour Revenge of the Sith cut. The announcement of the release of Zack Snyder's Justice League, known to fans as the Snyder Cut, may have inspired fans of other franchises. Now, some Star Wars fans are rallying around a petition calling for an alleged four-hour George Lucas cut of 2005's Revenge of the Sith. The petition was posted on Change.org by some folks and addresses George Lucas directly and not the Walt Disney Company, which currently holds the rights to Revenge of the Sith. Come on, people. We got what we needed from Revenge of the Sith. We learned that the high ground defeats everything. So, is there anything more we need to know? Come on. I mean, and also there they have pretty much done some legwork from what I understand in uh, Star Wars Clone Wars. Not necessarily going throughout the whole movie, but they've kind of touched they've gone into the movie per se. Right. So they definitely have. Have you not finished it yet? I have not. Uh, slowly but surely. Whoa, getting... whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on. I've got multiple sound effects for this. Oh. Hey, boo! Oh, wait, hold on. Oh. No! Come on, Roddy Cat. We have all the time in the world to watch this stuff now. We you should be able to finish not. Clone Wars. Hold on, I've got more sound effects coming here. I mean, seriously, I'm looking for the, you know, I'm looking for something. Um, you know, something that, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, lets you know how I'm feeling about how long it's taking you to watch this. Yeah, you'll uh, be fine. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I guess, I guess that pretty much says it all, you know, yeah. just some Statler and Waldorf, you know, uh, huh. that's fine. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, anyway, it'll, it'll, it's good. Fine, cause I watched it already, so I know <laughs> what's going on. Uh huh. Yeah, I guess it. I get there. And as you have said earlier, no, there is a whole lot more stuff going on because people have things to do. So that is not always true. But regardless, so, it'll happen. I will let you folks know. All of the the only other reason why I put this article in this uh, is because this is what happens when you let evil win. Now, yes, we talked about last week that the Snyder Cut is coming out, and that. Um, Yes, it's going to be on uh, HBO Max at some point along the line. So that's kind of a caveat somewhere along the lines. But regardless, Evil still won. And now this is what happens when something like that happens. People go full with change.org um, petitions for no for no apparent good reason. Um, we don't need this. We don't. Anyway, next up. Um, Fortnite will screen a full Christopher Nolan film this summer. So, following the premiere of Christopher Nolan's Tenet, uh, I was in the, the trailer, actually, not the movie, in Fortnite, Epic is continuing its bid to host all of the live events, teasing the screening of a full-length Nolan flick this summer. Uh, because Epic loves a bit of build-up, it's not revealed what film it actually is. My my bet is probably Dark Knight. Or actually, no, it's probably going to be... I uh, think Inception. I think Inception. That, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Um, or it could be Memento, but yeah, Inception probably is the better bet. Regardless, um, Jeff Keighley teased the event after his interview with actor John David Washington, saying that it would be an iconic Christopher Nolan full-length feature film. 
He announced it again on Twitter, but didn't offer any more details, which actually probably gives more credence to either it's either Memento or more than likely, um, um, yeah, Inception. So here's the thing: is I told somebody uh, the other day when when I saw this, it's like you know, Nolan movies are relatively long. Even the Batman ones, like they're like two hours at the rip, if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. folks are going to be there a long time, which I'm sure it does well for Epic and Fortnite's bottom line. That's fine, because that's just like, hey, we were in game. they were in game for X amount of time. And I know those concerts have been kind of hit and or a little missed, but mostly hit. So they're doing whatever that thing is. They're doing something. It's still weird. So, but stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned to find out what that movie end up will be because more than likely I don't like that game. Well, not even more than likely, but more than likely we will find out more as time goes by. But I dislike what they've done with that game, or more importantly, the base of that game. But we don't have to get into that because that's a whole other podcast. Next up, so apparently Zack Snyder is already working on the first trailer for his version of the Justice League. Um, he made the announcement that the Snyder Cut would be coming to HBO Max during that Man of Steel watch party on Zoom, and now he has confirmed that he will be putting together a brand new trailer for it. Okay. After being asked multiple times on Vero if there will be a trailer for the Snyder Cut, he succinctly responded that he's working on it, and when asked about how soon, he replied with an emoji suggesting the trailer might indeed be arriving in the near future. It's all relative, folks. Near future is all relative. And yeah, this is true. Um, yeah, the, the less said about that, the better. Whatever. We've, we've made our point on this one. Next up, um, I guess continuing on those lines, uh, Ben Affleck uh, records video celebrating Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, so, yeah. During a virtual appearance on Kevin Smith's Fat Man Beyond, Ben Affleck shared his enthusiasm for the upcoming release of Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm very excited that Zach's getting a chance to finally see his vision realized. I think is a great thing. Of course it is, because that means you get another... I would think you're going to probably get another check out of this. Yep. Um, yeah. And maybe another shot at possibly uh, redeeming his take on the character. Yeah, there is also that. Yeah, despite what's going on with that other Batman movie, exactly. I personally, I'm going to say one more time, I don't think that the, the Snyder Cut is going to lend anything else that the movie's already tried to do, that they've tried to extend and do whatever with. But hey, y'all oh. y'all folks will have that. I'm waiting well, I think like y'all can see me right what now. Gonna, but, is I think what everyone's going to hope to get and what I think everyone is talking about, and I, I don't see that you have it in the news, but um, I'd add it as a, a teaser image that uh, Snyder dropped this past week. Hmm. That involved a very blurry image of Darkseid. Oh yeah, I think there was another article saying that he he might be trying to add someone. But I mean, but that's kind of what they were going for with the movie anyway. When they had the uh, 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 Steppenwolf, like they were right. going well, anyway. at the end of the day, they're 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 going to at least tease an appearance of Darkseid. So that's what you know. That's what I think fans are hoping for because of the immense disappointment they felt when they got that version of the justice league movie so you know we'll see and on that note i will wrap the movie news with henry cavill is in talks to return as superman in upcoming dc movie 
So Henry Cavill isn't hanging up his Superman cape just yet. Sources confirm to Variety the Man of Steel actor is in talks to return as Clark Kent in an upcoming DC Comics movie. Warner Brothers and Cavill's reps could not be reached for comment. So um, I did read something where uh, it's speculated that Cavill's Superman may end up becoming a lot like Ruffalo's Hulk. In the future, uh, there won't be a movie revolving around him, but he's going to appear in um, several movies as Superman, just as not the um, the central character of the movie. Sure. So we'll yeah. see how that goes going forward. Yeah, but all right. Yeah, fine. That's great. Let me go back to this, uh, the Snyder issue one one good bit before before we go into the thing. So all I'm going to say is this sounds like a George Lucas prequel, a oh, excuse me, ex, uh, extended edition uh, situation. I feel like even if they did do the dark side thing, they, that was probably something that's not in the plan. It was going to be something that's added that wasn't intentionally there in the first place. And that will be messed up. Uh, if that, if that is the case, we won't know one way or the other. Cause he could obviously say, yeah, well, yeah, that's what I meant to do in the first place. And even though that wasn't the case, um, and I hope it flops. There you go. Now let's, let's move on to the, uh, comic book news. Actually, I'm sorry. One more last bit of, um, of, of, uh, cinematic news that I forgot to, that, that I just found. Um, Ruby Rose makes first statement after leaving role of Batwoman. So we kind of talked about that last week. Uh, and this just came out like yesterday. It looks like uh, former Batwoman stars Ruby Rose offered heartfelt message to her fans in her first statement since the news broke that she would be exiting the Arrowverse on Instagram. Rose shared a fan video of her as Kate Kane, Batwoman adding, thank you for everyone for coming on this journey. If I mentioned everyone, it would be a thousand tags, but Thank you to the cast, crew, producers, and studio. It wasn't an easy decision, but uh, those who know, know. Wow, she really went that one, huh? She really went there. Wow. Um, I didn't want to acknowledge everyone involved and how big this was for TV and for our community. I stay silent because that's my choice for now, but uh, no, I adore you all. I'm sure next season will be amazing. Um, kisses, hangs up, cow, and... So, yeah, there's there was also a little bit of scuttlebutt behind this because, you know, people were saying, well, she's this and that and she's a little difficult working. There's a whole bunch of scuttlebutt about her leaving. We talked about a little bit of it last week. So this is her official statement. And that ends that saga right there. Now going into the comic book news. Agents of Equate. Can we just go ahead and can I can I show this real quick? What you what you what you're messing with? No, it's the Venom. I know. Just show it again for the camera because I didn't get a good close up of it last time. There we go. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't have you up while you were showing it. Well, I didn't have a full picture up while you were showing it. But there you go, folks. You can see that in full. And I've got something else for Toy Corner as well. So okay, sweet. Well, we'll get back to that. Wipe. DC launches new solicitations catalog. So because DC has embraced a multi-distributor model uh, that now includes Diamond Comics distributors, Lunar, and USCS, the publisher apparently needed to create a new monthly solicitation catalog that wasn't exclusive to Diamond. Um, And Friday, they announced that this would take the form of DC Connect. 
Uh, and the quote is, this downloadable digital-only catalog features solicitation information for DC comic books, uh, original graphic novels, collected editions, and collectibles. And that's just the start, reads DC's description. The digital-only designation is yet another sign DC is further embracing the platform, that being digital. Now, if I'm not mistaken, we had, there was a book that came out, an actual print, uh, like last year, if you remember correctly, that DC was doing. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but you remember they had that book out that there was like, I think there was like excerpts of stories come up, uh, upcoming and, and stuff like that, that only lasted like six issues that it were given out for free. Like, I'm kind of surprised they didn't keep the name of that and you know, if that was the name of that i don't remember if that was the name of it or not and just kind of keep it for the solicitations i can barely remember yesterday so <laughs> <laughs> well i remember i remember us talking about it and this article doesn't say um oh wait uh, the catalog will have a new look and layout compared to its predecessor dc previews i think that was the name of it uh making it more engaging and easier to to get the latest intro on current and future dc because i remember they said like yeah we're going to stop the book and then we're going to bring it back as, you know, try to bring it back at a later date or something. So I'm guessing this is what came of that. So there you go. And then there's a, like a, an excerpt for something or it looks like books that are coming up in, in the in August uh, with their solicitations with that. So there you go, folks. If you are in, a DC fan and interested in that, and I know some folks will probably have some. Um, one thing to say about it one way or the other, it's going to be out there. It doesn't say... Here we go. The debut cover of DC's Connect features artwork from Jason Fabok and Brad Anderson for August's Batman's Three Jokers. The full PDF is downloadable now at dc.com slash connect. So there you go. Have at it, folks. Next up. All right, next up, DC has added Birds of Prey to the lineup of stories being made available digitally for the first time. Fight or Flight by Gail Simone was originally published earlier this year as part of the Birds of Prey 100-page Giant and will debut digitally Wednesday, May 27th. Uh, that was yesterday. Yes, under the title case. Birds of Prey, Sirens of Justice. Okay, cool. Yeah, see, that was that book I was talking about earlier that came out. That, that, that said I skimmed through. And right. this is that. So and yeah, so if you've already read the hundred the Birth of Prey one hundred book, you already know what this is. Like they've done this before because that Titans Rage um, book that we've seen coming out like digitally is also from the Titans, you know, giant books. So they're basically okay. breaking all that stuff out and kind of putting them in stuff like this and putting them back out like this digitally. Right. So next up, the hundred books that come out in Walmart, correct? Right. Exactly. Yeah, the the ones that are exclusive to Walmart. Just, so there's no way I'm getting my hands on any of those. Okay. Um, where did, well, yeah, I guess I know at this point, because I know the last time I went and checked that section, which granted was probably a good month ago, they still had a good clump of those books of various ones. Right. But there's no Walmart within easy driving distance from me. So you, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for you finding seven. So, so yeah. So that, I guess that's for people like yep. that. Then they got this option. Yep. 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 Uh, next up. Uh, I think this is you, Incoming Catwoman. Um, Incoming Catwoman, well, whatever, I'll take it. Incoming Catwoman writer previews her return to Gotham in 80th anniversary, uh, 100-page Super Spectacular. Spectacular, spectacular. Anyway. Uh, ah. Wait, you finally watched, you watched all that, though, right? I didn't watch all of it, but I watched a good bit of it. 
It's all. It's so good. Yeah, we had talked about that then because I was watching. Uh, yeah, because I think something else came up, but I watched it a good bit. I was like, yeah, that was all right. Because so if, for those that don't know, a while back, sometime last year, probably something like, or maybe even two years ago, I don't even remember. Um, uh, Agent Seventy. I'm pointing to him like y'all can see me at this point. Um, <laughs> was into Spectacular Spider-Man, which was on TV. Um, at the time, years uh, ago now. Yeah, but I. De- what it is is that I brought it up as a, as, as a recommendation uh, for you know my in my opinion the best uh, the best cartoon version iteration of Spider Man that's been produced to date. Every cartoon Spider Man has its uh, pros and cons, but I think overall, despite the fact that several origin stories were changed for uh, Spectacular Spider Man, I felt like it lived up to the spirit of the characters and the stories that had come before, especially in the pages of Lee and Ditko's Spider-Man run. So um, that's pretty much where uh, this little tangent goes. Yeah, that has absolutely nothing to do with the story. And I still maintain Spider-Man is amazing friends, but that's one that's kind of a popular choice. But also that the, the Spider-Man, that the 90s Spider-Man, talk, you know, I don't know. If I ever finish that run of Spe- uh, Spectacular, I, I may revisit that. Who knows? Anyway, regardless, let's get it back to the news. Whoop. Um, yeah, so Catwoman's got an 80th anniversary special coming up, 100 pages. Um, the creative team is Ram V, artist Ferdinand Fernando, excuse me, Blanco. And it says here they're getting a head start with a story in June 3rd's Catwoman. Um, oh, that's right, because this is the creative team that's taking over Black uh, uh, Catwoman. And uh, they're starting in this super spectacular with uh, Addicted to Trouble in June 3rd's, uh, in that June 3rd 100-page uh, thing. Uh, in Addicted to Trouble, Selena and her sister Maggie uh, hits the road. Man, typos, newsarama, come on, man. Um, or woman, whoever. Uh, hits the road to help Catwoman move from Villa Hermosa, her location for most of the current Catwoman run, back to Gotham. Uh, v and Blanco's story is one of several in the June 2nd 100-page anthology, including work from the likes of Ed Brubaker, Paul Dini, uh, Tom King, Chuck Dixon, and Liam Sharp. So there you go. Look forward to that if you're a Catwoman fan. Next up, and shoot in news that is sure to delight Agent 70. Of course, even though I'm not necessarily uh, going to be picking these up, I always like the fact that J. Scott Campbell is drawing eight Catwomen through eight decades and new Catwoman 80th variant. So the milestone Catwoman 80th anniversary 100-page super spectacular is due out June 3rd, and DC has begun releasing variants. That's next week. Um, In addition to the main cover by Joelle Jones, there are variants by Adam Hughes, Travis Charest, J. Scott Campbell, you know, one of the regular variants, Frank Cho, Stanley Archer Lau, Gabrielle Delato, Jim Lee and Scott Williams and Alex Sinclair, Ji Hyung Lee, Natalie Sanders. Man, I'm running through all these. Shannon Mayer and J. Scott Campbell are doing uh, – he's specifically doing exclusives to his online store. So um, – and Neil Adams is doing the same thing as well. So I guess Campbell's doing a bunch of these for his online store as an exclusive. Yeah. Um, if cool. you if you saw the the if you're looking at the video version of this pro- here program, you will see me running through a bunch of them, which um, included more than just a Scott Campbell's um, yep. version. Cool. But, so yeah, for you 
yeah. Anyway, next up, uh, Justice League Power Rangers artist is drawing his own Marvel versus DC comic because this is also a thing that's been coming off of social media, uh, particularly Twitter, uh, in the last month or so. Weirdly enough, uh, artist Stephen, well, excuse me, yeah, artist Stephen Byrne is illustrating a fan comic that sees the members of the Justice League and Avengers engage engage in combat. Um, so Stephen Byrne, who drew the Justice League Power Rangers miniseries, has posted several images depicting a Marvel DC dust-up. Uh, the artwork pits DC's fabled trinity of heroes, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, against Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor from the Avengers, a.k.a. Avengers Prime, some would call them. Um, and you, if you're watching the video, you can see said images um, right here. I, Stephen Brown's work is actually pretty good. I, I, I've enjoyed um, the stuff that I remember reading from those. I kind of like where that last one went, though. Also, Wonder Woman catching me all near and throwing it back at him, which mm. kind of mirrors something that happened this week uh, in the Avengers. But yeah, there you go. Next up. Uh, just to uh, circle back to that J. Scott Campbell uh, Catwoman cover story, I was flipping through them and. Uh, it's unfortunate that he does do an excellent Catwoman. Uh, that's no big surprise. He does do Julie Newmar, oh, but yeah. she, he does her twice, and he does a various Catwoman throughout the years. He does do a Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, he does do an animated Catwoman, which is awesome from the Batman animated series, but he does not have um, a version of um, Eartha Kit. That would have been pretty cool to see. Yeah. So... Um, Next up, uh, Nubia, real one. Mm-hmm. First brings Wonder Woman's twin sister into the modern era. DC has released a preview of Nubia, real one, an upcoming original graphic novel from writer L.L. McKinney and artists Robin Smith, Bree Henderson, and Bex Clendening that brings Silver Age Wonder Woman spinoff character Nubia into the modern era. Originally, Nubia was introduced as Diana's replacement as Wonder Woman. Her twin sister is separated at birth, who, because of the nature of the Amazons, looks exactly like Diana, but is a black woman. In the updated version, Nubia is a young woman trying to help people in her own community, despite being told that she doesn't fit the mold of a hero, culminating in a visit from her own hero, Wonder Woman, which is glimpsed in the preview of the issue. This is due out in, holy cow, February 2nd, 2021. We're already talking about February 2nd, 2021 comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're watching the video, you can see me scrolling through the uh, preview, which is an interesting art style, to say the least. Kind of feels slightly Mad Magazine-ish a little bit. Uh, um, yeah, it is, but it's not, it's not bad looking. So yeah, you can check that out next year when that happens. Um... It's probably something I expect. I wonder if like this is something they already had going already, but since COVID, I guess. But why they push it back that long, I don't know. It, it is what it is. Next up, um, well, oh, it wouldn't be surprising. Just as a quick note, since you said that, mm-hmm. if this had been something that came out at the end of this year, right? Literally yeah, got like, pushed back, pushed like back was, two months. Because right, of the pandemic. Like it was already slated to come out sometime this year, but yeah, pushed. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. The case. Just uh, it, the math just happened to hit me when you said that. So. Okay. Yeah, that, that's what I was kind of thinking. Yeah, it's like yeah, it was definitely something that they already had in the pocket, and you know, 
whatever. Um, DC's new Omega Lantern is its most terrifying Green Lantern yet. So uh, this is a spoiler for Justice League Odyssey, which I think is out. Uh, we won't go too far in and do it. And actually, I feel like we're kind of retreading this kind of. But uh, Jessica Cruz was the Green Lantern in in uh, in in, um, in Justice League Odyssey, uh, Odyssey died by the hands of uh, Darkseid, which many heroes have done <laughs> apparently. Um, and only to come back. Well, only to come back exactly, just like she did. Apparently, she regenerated like Doctor Who. Um, so yeah, she got burnt to a crisp by Darkseid, came back, but she also came back with, uh, I believe, some of Darkseid's power. Um, so, and it says here, with Omega powers in place of her usual power ring abilities, Cruz just gave the supervillain a serious run for his money with powers he inadvertently gave her in Justice League 20. So, yeah, that happened. I keep, Honestly, it's one of those books I said I was going to, um, to catch back up on because I was curious going into it. You know, especially with the makeup of the team. But I I fell off of it because we had other stuff going on. So one of these days, that and Terrifics is going to get caught up on. Next up. A few Masters of the Universe characters have been reimagined in cool, gritty fan art. Okay. Um, artist and production designer Paul Gerard put together uh, a group of images that reimagine a few of the characters from the series and shows what they might look like in a more lifelike form. Okay. The characters he's done so far include Skeletor, Tila, Evil Lynn, and Man at Arms. Um, that'd be interesting to see additional takes. Yeah, actually, and if you're watching the video, you can see said takes. Actually, some of them look pretty good. Um, I mean, all of them look kind of good. The Man at Arms is kind of weird around the face but at the same time minor arms is kind of weird around the face but yeah they look good then Skeletor looks kind of gruesome there you go uh, next up so yeah so this is the thing uh, I will have a, a word or two about this but now I'll keep it brief but for, former Marvel editor asked asked woman to leash dog has police called on him so Folks have been seeing this video of this uh, of this lady in this park that uh, who had her who was supposedly um, the dog was supposedly leashed in this park, but she let her dog off the leash um, only to be filmed by this by this guy who was doing some bird watching at the time in a place that where her dog was supposed to be leashed. Mind you, she saw this, freaked out damn near choking the dog while she's saying, I'm going to call the police, I'm going to call the police, blah, 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 this and that and the other. And, and you know, for all intents and purposes, for, for a lot of folks, like, this is just some random uh, black dude that got needlessly called the police upon for some white person doing something wrong. As tends to happen way far too often. Um... Uh, come to find out that this person, this 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 guy that was doing the filming was a former Marvel Comics editor, Christian Cooper, um, who was asking about this. Which brings me to this, and this is all I'm probably going to say about it. Like, well, outside white people, y'all need to just chill, really. You're stupid. Anyway, outside of that, this probably article probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the fact that this was, you know, or there wouldn't be this much uh, on it if it wasn't for the fact that this person filming was someone of note of a certain, you know, particular field. 
and that's kind of sad because there are other things that have been going on around this that have been getting less play that are just as important to this, you know, i.e. black people getting choked out by the police and people filming it and that kind of stuff. We won't, like I said, again, we don't have to go through all of it too far into that, but just kind of get swept under the rug and this probably would have been one of them if it wasn't for, hey, this was somebody of note of a, of a certain thing. So, yeah. There you go. I don't know if you got anything to add to that, but we can move on if you don't. Ah, it's all lame. It's mm. all lame, this, uh, this lady, uh, you know, you know, and I hate the I hate the term uh, Karen because I actually happen to know Karens who <laughs> unfortunately have to suffer with this. But yeah, she pulled a full Karen, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's you know, talk about weaponizing your privilege, mm-hmm. and and it sucks. And um, you know, George Floyd, don't don't be afraid to to watch and don't be afraid to say his name because it needs to be said. Well, so, don't be afraid to say his name, but if you don't need to watch, like, we don't necessarily, like, there are a lot of people who are susceptible, then they don't necessarily need to watch it. We damn sure don't need it on Twitter, you know, for people who don't need to watch that, because, but definitely say his name and definitely, you know, keep it that up, because, yeah, like I said, I, I, I also recognize that people can't watch that stuff and shouldn't I would be. Just- I would just say, you know, just to add to it, don't turn away because, unfortunately, people who are supposed to be allies tend to turn away when it's uh, convenient or if it's uncomfortable because uh, it's tough to watch. So that's another way to look at it. Sure. Yeah. Allies. Yeah. You, you do a thing. Black people don't need to do that. Don't need necessarily do that. We've already seen it way too many times. Um, moving right along. So next up, Stuart Eminem shares stunning rejected Star Wars cover concepts. So since Marvel has uh, 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 reacquired the Star Wars license to do comics, um, Stuart Eminem has been doing cover work, and he recently posted several cover sketches for the main Star Wars title to his Twitter page. Although none of these sketches were approved, they showcase Eminem's unique style as well as several iconic Star Wars characters. Uh, yeah, um, actually, I will. There we go. There's one of the pictures right there that's come off of uh, Instagram. And yes, a sketch of Han Solo and some other stuff. Actually, I can pop through real quick just so if it'll show up. There we go. You can see that real quick uh, as I bump through them. Some quick sketches that Eminem did, you know, that unfortunately will never be used. So there you go. Maybe it'll show up somewhere else. Uh, next up. A yellow Hulk just crashed into the Avengers world. And this is the spoilers for Marvel Action Avengers number 10, which apparently is out, um, I guess, or has is out at this point. I'm not sure. I don't remember seeing it in our thing, but it is what it is. We don't, we don't have to necessarily go into it. That's out this week? According to, to Tim's article, yeah. I think it is. So, but I don't remember seeing it in the thing. It's just a word because I don't think any of us actually read it. Regardless, uh, apparently there is another um, iteration of a new, another transformation of the Hulk um, that actually is probably not canon because this is the IDW Marvel action book and it's not canon with the rest of the Marvel stuff. So, take that for what it is. But now there's a Yellow Hulk um, for whatever oh. reason. Next up. Next up, 
Uh, X-Men's Mystique by Mike Mayhew joins the Jim Lee charity, charity auction that is benefiting the book industry charitable foundation. The acronym is BINK. The, the piece is going to be auctioned off um, to support that charity. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that charity still. It's available on Jim Lee's eBay page. Yeah, they're still they're still doing that, and that's great. That's awesome. Um, excuse me, it is hot in here, so we're going to wrap this up kind of quick. Avengers just revealed Mjolnir's true origin and new master. We kind of glossed over this when we were talking about Avengers number thirty-three, so we don't necessarily need to go for it right now. Just know that uh, there's a little bit of a retcon to Mjolnir at this point. Yeah. Uh, we may talk about it at some point because it'll probably come. I'm assuming it's going to come back up again in Avengers, but we'll talk about it then when it does, when and or if it does. The next up. thing about it is that it's Jason Aaron, who, of course, is just coming off of a big epic run on Thor himself. So mm. if ever there was going to be a writer to do this particular retcon, it's going to be Jason Aaron. It's true. So uh, next up, Marvel adds uh, in awful news. Marvel adds Cosmic Ghost Rider, Valkyrie, and more to the Digital First schedule. Marvel Comics has announced a list of Digital First comics that will be available starting next week, including Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider, Valkyrie, Jane Foster, and more. These digital-only titles will go on sale June 3rd, June 17th, and July 1st, with print collections arriving later this year. Ugh. So that seems the reason why um, Age of Seven is is, is is feeling like that is because it kind of feels like, and we've talked about this last week, uh, and probably the week before that, and the week before that, possibly because this is not the first time these things have been going on. Um, but that Jane Foster Factory uh, is a good book. We don't know how it's doing in sales. We don't know if the decision to make it go digital in this fashion is result of sales or some other reason that we don't necessarily know about. I'm kind of hoping it's like, no, they have faith in the book, so they'll put it out digitally and they'll redo it then, but it doesn't seem like that's classically the case. Um, The speculation that I read online is that it's related to sales, but not completely based on sales. One apparent determining factor is is that the book may be coming to an end sooner rather than later. And that they're putting out the remaining issues of the run in digital format before they decide to wind it up and relaunch it possibly in the near future. So that doesn't bode well for my, the two books of, uh, on my pull list that have found themselves in the digital only uh, announcements. That being those being Ghost Spider and Jane Foster Valkyrie. Right. So, so this is why we look to this kind of stuff with some a little bit of interpretation because yeah, that doesn't always mean something good, or or it could have meant something good, but who knows if what if that speculation is on point or not? I feel like it. There's probably more credence to it than not, and that's going to be sad. Yep. Um, but there, here is here we are. Um, I know one of the books that went digital only just finished up last week, and uh, actually, which was Hawkeye Freefall, which I forgot to read, and um, yeah, well, I meant to read for this week, but it didn't. So it was ending anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Next up, um, Marvel creators celebrate return to comic stores with new video. Uh, after the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic delayed months worth of its new releases, Marvel Comics is finally returning to stores. To celebrate, uh, to celebrate 
Several creators appeared in a video on Marvel's YouTube channel to encourage fans to pick up the new releases. The creators uh, involved includes Marvel's editor-in-chief, C.P. Cebulski, writers Leah Williams, Donnie Cates, Jason Aaron, Tini Howard, uh, Jerry Duggan, and Matthew Rosenberg. And artist Greg Land, uh, fan favorite from Agent 70 and, uh, and uh, Dirt. Oh. <laughs> um, Eben Coelho, Declan Shalvey, Rach, uh, Rachelle Rosenberg, Carmen Carnero, Pepe Larez, and uh, Mark Brooks, Humberto Ramos, and Javier Garon, which we talked about earlier. Uh, it's re- it's a really weird world outside our windows these days, Sabolski said. Uh, but I know that the heart and heroism you find in the pages of Marvel Comics is going to brighten all of our days. And I'm not going to pose it as a Japanese person anymore to get, you know, you know what? Stop. 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 No, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that again this week. So, yeah, there is that. If you want to check out the video, you can go to Marvel's YouTube channel and check it out. Next up. Ah, uh, so three boys in Cayanto, Bolivia, suffered black widow bites following an attempt to gain superpowers so they would be like Spider-Man. The boys, aged 8, 10, and 12, found the Black Widow while their mother was cutting up wood, according to the Daily Mirror. Just as Peter Parker gained spider powers after being bitten by a radioactive spider, this is the part they forgot about, the radioactive part, the boys hoped that if the Black Widow bit them, they would get powers too. In order to coax the arachnid into biting them, the boys are said to have provoked the spider with a stick. The venomous bites quickly took effect, and the boys experienced severe muscle pain, abdominal cramps, increased heart rate, and muscle spasms. Wait, 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 wait. No! Oh, and... It's a trap! So, also worth noting that, you know, they picked a wrong... This is going to sound like a joke, and it kind of is, and this is a terrible thing to happen. So, oh, well, two things, actually. First of all, I made I tried to make sure that this was a real story. I mean, because, let's face it, there is a lot of kind of sort of plausible news that's going around that is actually fake. Um, and you would think after a fairly decent amount of time not hearing stories like this, that something like this still happens. I'm not saying that it wouldn't, because it very much could and would. Uh, that being said, I probably shouldn't even go along with this, but I'm going to do it anyway. So sorry, for folks, if the same and stuff, but if they're going to get bitten by a Black Widow, they then doesn't that mean they're going to be a super spy now? Instead of oh, oh no, <laughs> he's here every night on Thursday, every Thursday night. Thank, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Every Thursday night. All right. I mean, they are in Bolivia. I mean, but I'm just saying. This like, yeah. You got next, man. Anyway, <laughs> that's that being said. But yeah, folks, just just you know, it, it is a sad thing that if indeed this is true and it did happen, because um, I'm not. I'm not sure if I would believe the source place in there, but a lot of places have kind of taken this article and gone with it. So um, if it is indeed something that actually happened, and I don't, I'm, I'm not surprised that if it had, uh, that's terrible for the, the kids and the family, but also the things that could come out of something like that happening. 
Um, next up, uh, Vida Alaya plays with fire in new Jessica Jones audio drama. So Jessica Jones is back, back, excuse me, in audio drama form in cereal boxes. Jessica Jones playing with fire. Following up from the recent Black Widow podcast drama Serial, um, which I did not know there was one unless we talked about it, whatever. Playing with Fire leads Jessica through a supernatural mystery as she navigates superheroics, uh, going through to going to therapy and teaming up with Matt Murdock to help make sense of it all. Playing with Fire was written by written TV style with showrunner uh, Lauren Bukes and a writing team comprised of Vida Ayala, uh, Elsa Johnson, Zoe Quinn, and Sam Beck uh, Bessinger. Bessinger. The first three episodes of Jessica Jones Playing With Fire are live today, and Zurama spoke with Vida Alaya, and the rest of it is an article with Vida Alaya about said thing. You can check that out if you so choose in the show notes. Next up. Ooh, ooh. Star Wars The Black Series is getting hit with a big splash of color on its packaging. Hasbro Pulse just unveiled updates to its Star Wars The Black Series packaging today. And it's more vibrant than ever before. Um, you can check it out. Check it out in all its glory in uh, Hasbro Pulse's Instagram pulse, uh, post, as well as online now, wherever you can pre-order these figures. The upgrade gives new life to the packaging and doesn't take anything away. The packaging features a color-coded system to make it easy for fans to collect by film or series. On the sides, characters are brought to life in fresh artwork existing figures will be re-released in the new packaging and fans can pre-order them now yes they can because i did it just now just before the show started Mm -hmm. Uh, the initial wave of figures features characters from the original trilogy and star wars rebels the rebels batch will include a new figure of zeb aurelios which like the rest of the black series features a high level of detail and authenticity other Rebels in- featured include Harris and Dula, Ahsoka Tano, and Kanan Jarrus, and Sabine Wren. I personally pre-ordered uh, Sabine Wren and Ahsoka Tano uh, literally just before we started this show tonight. Right, and if 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 you did not hear it the first time, this goes. This has to be said again. There is a Hera figure now, as opposed to the the, the original series where there was not um, in the last batch. So, I think everybody else had a batch, and actually, I'm not sure if Chopper did, but you know, Chopper probably did. Everybody, I think Chopper, yeah. Everybody got a figure except for Hera, and people were like, "That's a gross oversight," and it very much was. Now that has been rectified. So, actually, I don't know if it was in this wave, in the previous was. Rebels wave. There was a previous Hera figure. Are you sure? Positive, because they showed a previous. Uh, if you look at the, uh, I, I don't know if it's Pulse or if it's another site that showed the difference between the facial sculpts. Mm. Mm. Well, I have the Pulse link up. It may not uh, have come out at the same time. That's the thing, because Star Wars did not put out the Rebels in one wave. They put right. them out over several waves. Mm-hmm. So that could be, it could just be an oversight. Perhaps. There's also, uh, so, but regardless, we there is another 
even if that's the case, they're still a hero figure because I know people and are kind of mad about that figure. They, right. Exactly. There is a and, possibly a better hero figure. Exactly. And the Sabine one and the rest of those characters, whatever. Um, but yeah, also, like I said, there's a snow speeder, uh, snow speeder Batman, snow speeder Skywalker, and a whole bunch of other stuff that they have, um, including Dooku and a couple of helmets. Um, Etc. 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 But you can go check that out, you know, at Hasbro Pulse's site. Uh, just leave me, just leave me uh, a Sabine, please, people. Thank you very much, and a Hera, because I think those are the two I don't have. Well, I do have a Sabine actually. Anyway, regardless, next up. Oh, uh, I think this is yours, but this is uh, right up my alley. Though. Take it. All right, Hasbro reveals new premium Marvel Legends figures. So this is news that came out last week. Uh, Hasbro has become uh, blah, blah, blah. Recently, the company has begun to use Fan First Friday's live streams as their platform to give an exclusive look at what's next from Hasbro. Last week, Hasbro took to Fan First Friday to unveil brand new figures from the Marvel Legends line of products. Several Marvel Legends six-inch premium figures, which I have already pre-ordered, were showcased for Fan First Friday. Many of those figures come from the Spider-Man family of characters. Both a new version of Electro and Green Goblin were revealed to be joining the retro Spider-Man figure line, as well as Daredevil um, was shown off during the stream. Daredevil is in his um, 90s armor. You know, uh, I don't know if you remember the 90s armored Daredevil. It was like a black and a metallic red. Yes. Right, right, right. Uh, also, uh, something cool was teased during this fan first Friday um, uh, live stream. Uh, they basically teased a gigantic, probably going to be one of those um, crowdfunded figures, a gigantic Sentinel. Ooh. All they did was show the leg. Right. It's going to be expensive. I am not looking forward to possibly buying one. <laughs> but but you will. Uh, uh, it's so te- it, it will be tempting. It all depends on the price point. Mm-hmm. If they're able to make it so that it's practical, then I will probably get one. But it's, you know, that thing's going to be gigantic. That's a lot of plastic. Mm. So. It's going to be on the expensive side. So I'm going we'll to see. say between eighty and one hundred and ten bucks. No, I think it's closer to two to two fifty, and that's okay. where it gets to be a little sketchy. Hmm. We should. That's see. my. That's right. my guess. I mean, it could go either way. So yeah, and that's my guess. So, but yeah, uh, the Spider-Man wave uh, was revealed last Friday, as well as the Moon Knight that's coming out exclusively at Walmart that I got. I missed out on the first pre-order window, but caught the second one that came out today. Yay! So I got my pre-order in on the exclusive Moon Knight that's coming out for Walgreens. Right. So yeah, there's there's some there's going to be some debates had soon in some of this stuff for for myself. Um, we shall see what happens. Yep. Next up. Um, Dungeons and Dragons Choose Your Own Adventure books are becoming Choose Your Own Audio Adventure books. That's a... Yeah, interesting. Actually, some decisions... Same decisions to to make. It's now that you just have to listen to the consequences of your actions. A few years ago, Penguin Random House published a Dungeons and Dragons Endless Quest series 
a range of choose-your-own-adventures books set in the myriad realms of the beloved tabletop RPG, aimed at bringing young readers into their own stepping stones into the role of role-play. Uh, because really, there might not be any rolling for initiative or skill checks to pass. Uh, but what is choose your adventure, but a simple approach to role-playing storytelling. That's true. Uh, each penned by Matt Forbeck, the six endless quest books let features venture into the iconic Forgotten Realms, locations such as Castle Ravenloft, the Underdark, and Waterdeep. Uh, shout out to Rifles of Waterdeep. Telling stories uh, that could fold out with up to 20 different endings based on your decisions. And now, instead of flipping through the pages of uh, like a cheat to figure out the best outcome, you can skip ahead on an audio player. Um, anyway, th- there is that. Next week, this was the stuff that comes out, if you could check those out. Now, it's worth noting, obviously, Choose Your Own Adventures book have been out for eons and eons and not just the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Shout out to the old Choose Your Own Adventures book that I think they might be still making at this point. I don't know if that's true, but I've seen something to that or to that or why they brought them back out one or two i used to love those books still kind of love those books even though i hadn't written one in a while i'm kind of curious as to how they would do it in audio form um like i guess well i guess you could kind of do it if you were on your computer because you can kind of do a chapter skip so i guess that's i don't know i don't know i'm not even going to try to go into to, as to how they write but regardless next starting next week you can go check out uh those books um, in audio form. Uh, as a matter of fact, excuse me, it's not even next week. It's this week um, because they came out May 26th on Hoopla, which uh, if you're not on Hoopla and you don't have a library card and you don't have Hoopla, what are you doing with yourself? Because um, that's basically the, the, what the library uses for, for their audios, for the, for the digital media stuff. Well, that's one of them anyway. Uh, Amazon, Apple, iBooks, Audible, Google Play, and everywhere audiobooks are sold. You can go check them out there. Next up. Okay, next up. Uh, on May 27th, the cast of The Legend of Korra held a live reading of the second half of the graphic novel Turf Wars with the voice actors for Bolin, PJ Byrne, Miko, David Faustino, uh, and Lynn Beifong, Mindy Sterling, joining Janet Varney, Cora, and Seychelle Gabrielle Asami. Dark Horse Comics, which publishes The Legend of Cora graphic novels, held the live reading on its Twitch channel, where Varney and Gabrielle previously read the first half of Turf Wars on April 6th. Cool. Hmm. Mako is also, I mean, I don't know in this universe what, what it was, but I'm assuming it has something to do with Mako, the, um, who played, uh, who was the voice of our Uncle Iroh in um, Avatar The Last Ambender, who died during the course of that, who also played Aku in Samurai Jack, and a, bunch, a, a noted actor elsewhere uh, in other places. Um, there is a side note that I'm going to skip until like, after we finish the news, if I remember it, but... There you go. That thing happened. It's probably still out there. You can check it out. Eight great anime series for people who don't like anime. Ah. I, I really love doing this to, to Agent 70, but um, this was kind of sort of intentional, unintentional. Um, so, yeah, if um, and I'm not saying he's one of those people, but, you know, this has been kind of a running thing within the last few weeks. So why not keep it going? I was about to say I'm one of those people that. Uh, appreciates it, but just can't get into it like some of the uh, real the 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 recently anointed fans of anime. Right. 
Um, hey, get and the notice how I worded that. Recently anointed fans of yeah, I, I, I see you out there. I see you out there. Um, and for some of those who've been around it for a while. So yeah, so the the eight R, which is something I was about to say, if you haven't been uh, renting anime on video cassette from some less than legitimate source, you know, I'm not taking anime recommendations from you. Hey, that was me. You know, that's me. That was me. I know there's lots of people who did it, so I definitely, uh, you know, I know those people were, uh, were, um, I guess the term would be less than rabid, but more than casual. So, you know, in terms of their fandoms. Yeah, your your uh, camera went out. Oh, did it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm frozen. Don't worry, it will come back hopefully soon. Yeah, but in the meantime, in between time. Oh, that's a little off, but whatever. But yeah, so um, so some of these are I'll just go through them real quick. Uh, Psychopaths, which some people like, I haven't done it. Uh, Black Lagoon, that's kind of sort of a classic. Uh, actually, because this is how they break it down. So for fans of Criminal Minds, True Detective, Minority Report, and the occasional exploding creep, which sounds like um, Minecraft, which by the way, Minecraft Dungeons is out right now. Um, Psychopaths is your the recommendation for that. Black Lagoon is a re- recommendation for fans of Quentin Tarantino, John Wick, The Sopranos, watching pirates shoot Nazis. And it also gives um, where you can find uh, these uh, these particular items. Uh, and since I think this article is like a couple of days ago, this might not be... Yeah, this is from a, a couple, few days ago. So this is definitely, probably, possibly not talking about HBO Max. Um, or maybe it is, I don't know. Either guy, B stars. Um, if you're a fan of Riverdale, Gossip Girls, uh, copious homoerotic subtext, furries, etc. I added that last part, uh, and it's available on Netflix. But you get the picture, and I will say, Samurai Champloo uh, is and um, Full Metal Alchemist. I usually haven't seen Brotherhood, so I don't know. But Full Metal, I mean, for Samurai Champloo, good. It's great. Okay, moving right along. Next up, uh, longtime Marvel artist Mike Del Mundo is branching out and teaming up with rappers Freddie Gibbs and The Alchemist on a special comic book tying into an upcoming album by the two called Alfredo. Half man, half cocaine, and The Alchemist take on the undead in this instant classic first issue, reads the description for the issue. As the undead try to move into the casino game, a turf war ensues, and our anti-heroes Freddie, half man, half cocaine, Gibbs, and the alchemists travel to the city of sin to settle their debts. Um, Del Mundo draws this 20 page issue and co-writes it with Gibbs and Ben Lambo Lambert. Uh, Mike Del Mundo is a little, uh, is a, a Filipino brother who is definitely a big fan of hip hop. So it is no surprise that he is, um, in, uh, he's working on this in conjunction with, uh, two artists so that sounds like it's he like he's gonna have a lot of fun with that right he even says in this article if you're a fan of dope music and comics you need this in your life now i'm not the oh i don't know that much i know alchemist i know of freddie gibbs i, I know i have heard of like one or two things he's all right but i, I don't know if i can give him a whole whole thing. but yeah it's cool that's actually pretty cool uh also this is another way you can get into comics because uh, apparently if, if freddie gibbs and alchemist were trying to get in there they're already they got some cred on them now. I don't know. What's yeah. 
which is sad because we've already had that talk. We won't go through it right now. But it's available for pre-order with the planned release for Friday, which means tomorrow at the time of this uh, article. I mean, at the time of this um, uh, recording. Next up. Uh, I believe that is me, actually. Steve yep. Geppi makes the case for Diamond as primary direct market distributor in 2020. I still have my doubts of this, but nevertheless, the COVID-19 pandemic has affected nearly uh, the entire... Blah, 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 let's get blah. Now, last week marked the, the resum- resumption of widespread direct market distribution to comic book stores after almost two months of on hiatus with Diamond comic distributors uh, resuming their position as the industry's leading distributor. But with several smaller distributors arriving during the company's temporary suspension of operations, Diamond's place in the industry's uh, de facto distributor of comics has been called into question. Um, so we asked, so we being Newsarama asked Diamond's founder, owner Steve Geppi, that question. Uh, specifically, why is having one distributor a privately owned family company, quote unquote? I say quote unquote, that's what this just says here. Um, a good thing for comic retailers, uh, publishers, and readers, as opposed to a multi-distributor system. Uh, I'm not going to go into it, but Stevie answers that question. And, yeah, you can read that in the article for yourself. Um, in the show notes. There you go. And actually, I forgot to put it back on the news. So, there you go. That was real smart of me. All right. Our last story of the night is uh, the 2020 Will Eisner graphic novel grants for libraries recipients have been revealed. Um, This is from the American Library Association's Graphic Novels and Comics Roundtable and the Will and Ann Eisner Family Foundation. Um, The 2020 recipients of the Will Eisner uh, graphic novel grants for libraries um, were announced. Uh, hold on. Does the article have who gets it? Who won them? Uh, you know, honestly, I didn't look into it. So, <laughs> does it just say uh, that they were announced? Uh, it looks Press like no. The, there are some. Wait, yeah, did you say it does say? Yeah, I'd be interested to see which. Uh, okay, here we go. So. Uh, Ryan Laferney of the Avon Washington Township Public Library in Avon, Indiana. Um, the Project Will Eisner Memorial Comic Book Convention is what they won for. Um, Deanna Nabenyonkwit no, of the Ontario Library Service in North Sudbury, Ontario, Canada uh, won for their project, Northern Ontario First Nation Graphic Novel Collective. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess there's one, there should be one more. Oh, I missed it. I skipped one. Kathy Burwell of the Cape Fear Community College Library in Wilmington, North Carolina, won for their existing program, Get Bibliographic with CFCC, their Cape Fear Community College Library. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So good stuff there. Good stuff there. Um, and actually, I just pulled this other one out. It has nothing to do. It has very tangentially to do with comic books, but you'll understand why I put it in here. Um, Stern's new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pinball machines are glorious. Okay. <laughs> so apparently there's a new uh, uh, new pinball machine for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles based off of the 1987 cartoon. 
and obviously based off of the you know the uh, book that it, that comes off of they've got a spinning magnetic pizza they've got a sculptured turtle van that can capture up to four balls they have a floating crane they even play the original theme song um a new licensed video game is nice, but a new licensed pinball game is a glorious convergence of pop culture and pre- uh, precision mechanical and electronical engineering. Because, yeah, because they could have very well put this on that um, pinball effects private platform, or not pinball effects, um, whatever the pinball uh, uh, virtual one is uh, that I can't remember right now, but it doesn't matter. You know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, so there's an actual Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pinball machine. I don't know where it is, but however, it runs for, if you want to buy said thing, wow, um, 6100 for the Pro, 7700 for the Premium, and 9100 for the Limited Edition. So there are three different sets of this here um, um, video game, oh, for, this, for this pinball game, and each with, um, I guess, various sets of sound Jesus. yeah it says the LE model limited to 500 units worldwide has a special artwork a shaker motor installed anti-reflective glass and an upgraded speaker system so wow yeah and apparently there's differences between all three of them because the pro version doesn't have crane so that's kind of weird that they would do that but at the same time uh, sure why not but yeah, there you go. And that, folks, uh, brings us to... Actually, let me pull that back so I can put that in the show notes. To the end of this here show as I fix the Agent 70's uh, shot again. It's okay. So uh, in, in the interim, uh, I do have one thing to add to Toy Corner okay. uh, this week. Um, I have not showcased all of the Marvel Legends figures I have acquired over quarantine out of need and sheer boredom. Um, (laughs) You know, it's definitely a privilege to be able to sit online and just sort of click through online toy stores and Amazon and just click, okay, I guess I'm going to get these now um, while you're sitting at home during quarantine. So I definitely acknowledge that. Um, So I definitely have a pile of these things that I've just, you know, opened up and put away, uh, and I'll be probably getting uh, set to, and, and I've showed a few of them, you know, over the last several weeks, uh, months, God, months of quarantine. Um, I definitely have showed a few of them, like that Wolverine and Hulk set, um, and the uh, the 80th anniversary Iron Man. I finally got around to getting. That's all, you know, that's over my shoulder on the uh, bookshelf behind me. But um, I wanted to. Um, display something that literally came in a UPS box today, and that is uh, the Black Knight. And this is a pretty cool figure. Um, I he comes with three heads actually, three chain, three alternate heads. The one that I put on is the sh- is the small helmet version that was most prominent during the late '80s and early '90s Avengers books. Uh, he does come with the original evil Black Knight head, which is cool. This is the original Black Knight helmet when he was a villain, and uh, you know it's uh, it's Dane Whitman's um, uh, uh, ancestor or his uh, family member who was uh, 
uh, a relative of, uh, I believe it's Sir Percy of Scandia. Um, yep. And it also comes with the winged helmet that Dane Whitman first appeared with. I'll show it like this. I think that's better. So uh, it comes with three heads and it comes with an ebony blade. The one thing of note that I wanted to mention when I, when I, uh, the reason why I even decided to keep this figure aside and not put him directly into a storage box, you know, for me to, to, to deal with on another day was that I noticed, and this is something that didn't come through. Maybe I, I should have watched some, some review videos, you know, when this, uh, of when this, uh, that were done when this figure first, um, was released, but I noticed that the hands and the arms are actually capable of holding a sword in a two-handed style, in a two-handed grip. That's pretty cool. That's not something I expected to see. So, you know, it's pretty cool that they uh, designed this particular Marvel Legends figure to be able to do that. Um, now I now should be able to build a Mar- uh, 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 an Avengers Under Siege uh, lineup with this, you know, with this, uh, you know, with this character. I don't have um, the uh, the infamous Cersei Black Knight lineups. I can't build those exactly, but I can definitely build Under Siege, which is cool. But um, but yeah, this is a welcome addition to my Marvel Legends collection, which is growing not not quite at an exponential rate, but it's definitely growing. So um, you know, blame it on the quarantine. Anyway, uh, so we have gotten to the end of our show. We are going to do one last ad read of the night, and it is for Amazon. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books Music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends or Star Wars Black Series figures. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And as we come to an- the end of another exciting episode of the Combo Chronicles, we'd like to thank you, each and every one of you, for coming out, whether to the live recording um, or hearing this later on in audio, which I will actually one of these days continue to remember to, to mention. We do also have a, a video and an audio version of this part here podcast. But you can check out uh, myself, Rydicat, at on Twitter, rather. Um, you can also find me at News Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Eight and underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, PC and underscore Dirt on Twitter at that. Um, PopCultureNetwork.com and his umbrella site therein and PopCultureNet on Twitter. Also, excuse me, sorry. I know that's why you waited because um also you can find him on bite the the vine alternative under comic book reviews no vowels 
Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. Uh, CB Cron on Twitter. That is the Comic Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, uh, Click Nation on Twitter. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. TheClickNation.com. And also comic book resources where he's over there writing his face off. You can find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, uh, aka Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and the Coastal Lizard Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Um, you can also... Uh, I'm going to say this again. The Hasbro has been putting out a lot more of those G.I. Joe episodes. Um, have they? Yes, they have. Because actually, because it, it was first... It was the first two five-parters, and then they skipped the season four to... Um, well, those the initial package was the first two five-parters, and then a Rise of Parental Surprise, which is the, the other one. Wow! Um, but they also have like other just separate ish, uh, separate episodes, in almost going up to um, Cold Slither, the Cold Slither one. But they don't have Cold Slither on there. Because believe me, once they have, if they actually do put that one on there, I will let you folks know. Ah. They've also do, been doing a live stream. I mean, they have a like a live stream going up on their YouTube channel of the the various episodes. So that right. you, know, you can kind of come in and catch it. I think it might be the first the first uh, couple of um, five-parters, though. I'm not sure. They might be doing the secret episodes, obviously, since they already got them up. Um, which also brings into the question, like, YouTube has also put in place, uh, in place uh, you, um, YouTube ads in the midst of um, videos that they didn't have pre- prior- previously. And that's very kind of annoying. Got it. Um, and it's kind of sporadic how they show up because especially if you're like looking at YouTube on like an app, it it's kind of shows up sporadically. It's weird, but you can see the chapter marks there where they have them. So it's we're kind of messed up. But anyway, that's stuff I thought that you go check that out. We will be back uh, next week, and I did have another point that I was going to mention, but I totally forgot what it was. So what, it, it is what it is. You but to talk about next week. Oh yeah, there was that, but it was something else. Um, oh. So next week. Uh, since since that part was brought up, though, we will be going over. We did say wackos, right? Yeah, uh, uh, we, I so I gotta go back and take a look at the sheet. You know, right, but I thought that's what it was. But let's yeah. be sure. I'm almost fairly certain because I think I had marked them. Yep, yes. yep. Because uh, we do have, uh, we, since we do have an idea of what the publishing schedule is for the major uh, comic book um, companies for the next several weeks, we decided because next week is kind of a down week to cover the original four issue miniseries of the West coast Avengers. So yes, I'm excited that will for be that. week, June 4th. Yep. Uh, I am a, I, I have said this many, many, many times on this program. I am a big, big fan of the wackos, uh, the AKA the West coast Avengers. So being able to do this is, is going to be awesome. Um, it'll be my first time reading the first four all the way through. I think I own the first issue and don't have any of the other ones. Yeah, when because as a matter of fact, yes, I remember. So yeah, we'll do a little bit of uh, like we've been doing with others, like what kind of been going on around the time that this this has happened. But basically, um, Vision was the prez and decided to say, "Hey, we need a West Coast chapter," and then and, and Hawkeye, you lead it. So that's pretty much what sparked this up. And right, it was something along the lines of we need like a faster response time to the West Coast, and they had also moved Iron Man out to the West Coast, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that is correct, but it was uh, but they thought it was uh, Tony Stark's, but it wasn't. It was uh, Jim Rhodes at the time in the classic art um, armor. Um, but also oh, there was a there was also no, but no. My point is they had moved Tony Stark 
uh, his company out to the his West Coast. His company had already moved out. That was separate from the Avengers thing. But yes, his movie, exactly. he, he had come exactly. out because he was under the, it was, this was like right after Demon in a Bottle, I believe. Well, no, maybe not right after, but soon after. Right. So, yeah, yeah, like your, 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 your point is well taken. They didn't know. I mean, obviously, this is post First Secret Wars and Jim Rhodes is still in the armor. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, from what I remember, uh, based on the stories that were happening in Iron Man, and of course, this is all from Ohatmu uh, knowledge, not from firsthand reading knowledge, that oh um, yeah. that the uh, Stark, the version of Stark, I don't know if it was Stark Enterprises at that point or Stark in- International, um, I forget what version of the company it was that had moved out to the West Coast, right. and that provided a nice base for um, base of operations for um, the Wackos. Well, it was that wasn't a base of operations because they moved to like Paddles Verde. They were like nearish. They weren't. It wasn't his headquarters. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, right. they basically moved out on on top of his uh, hilltop where you know. Anyway, we'll get into that all that, that next week. Yes, so, we will talk about that next week. Uh, but also, the only other thing that was like Vision, like I said, was the president of the was the chairman of the the Avengers at the time, who spoke to us. But there was also something going on with him at the time, which was a, a bigger thing that happened in uh, the Avengers. He was basically compromised at that time, let's just say. But we may get into a little bit of that uh, going into this thing. Regardless, that is what's going on next week. So please be sure to come back. Uh, next week for that. And remember, folks, like I said, every Thursday uh, we record 9, 9.30ish p.m., something around that time, and there's an audio version that comes out. Um, well, we record on YouTube, which is on the D-Click Nation's uh, YouTube channel, so you can go there and try the audio, the, the video version, but you can also go to Coastlizer, like we said, and in various places to get the audio version, like we always say. With that, folks, um, let's spin this jobby down with the right shot and say that this has been the Comic Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. I love it when a plan comes together. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe?